the most challenging yet cherished relationship of all relationships is the marriage relationship. We're talking about practical tips for marriage relationships with an authority on marriage today. And single people, please take special note. We have things for you to hear as well. Welcome back, listeners. So glad to have you here today. I'm so excited for our podcast because I have a guest with me. And you know, if you've been listening, that we've been talking about marriage, the first marriage from Genesis chapter two. And it's this beautiful union between Adam and Eve. And Adam even says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Very honoring, very sweet. But then in the next chapter, Not too long after, Adam says to God, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me. So a little bit of a tone change there. And that's why we have Sherry Keefe on with us because she is going to help us navigate between the first beginnings of the wonderful moments of marriage and real life when things happen and people sin and things go sideways. So Sherry, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So we are launching in on talking about marriage today. So before we start really delving into it, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So my name is Sherry Keefe and I live in uh, Lake Taps, Washington. It's a lake kind of uh, southeast of Seattle I attend Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington, and have been here here for 26 years. But um, I uh, was married for 49 years to my husband, Paul. We met in college, got married in college in um, Kalamazoo, Michigan at Western Michigan University, and then moved to Oregon, up to Washington, back to Oregon with his a job. Um, and through that time, we uh, had five children. We have three that are natural and two adopted. And uh, five or six years ago, our oldest son passed away. And then four months later, my husband did from uh, multiple myeloma, which is a systemic bone cancer. So that changed some of my life, obviously. Now I'm a widow. But Paul and my and I had a passion for marriages, parenting, um, family issues, and, and leadership. So we did things here in the United States and taught classes and did trainings and things. But we also did mission work overseas. Uh, we were in Papua New Guinea 18 times. We were in Australia, I think, six. Uh, Solomon Islands, we were in Peru about four times. And we did marriage seminars as well as parenting and leadership training. And so our passion has always been to see marriages and families strong and healthy in the Lord. And we've always been involved in ministries. We did a lot of things with uh, Children's Church, Awana Missionette programs, and different things like that when our kids were growing up. But then uh, as adults, we've been involved in um, home group, discipleship groups. We've had been on the prayer team. Uh, Right now I'm in two different, uh, I have two different discipleship groups, one's for women and one's for uh, mostly couples, uh, but but mixed, men and women. And, uh, oh, I don't know, it's been a number of years ago I was women's ministry 
head at our church. And so I've had a passion just to see families develop and, and get strong. And um, so that's who I am. That's that's quite amazing. I know I met you and Paul when you were our small group coaches. When we were small group uh, leaders, we had you mm-hmm. as coaches, and we just loved meeting with you both. It was always such a joy. We learned so much, and you would always talk more. Paul was kind of more quiet, but then whenever yep. he would speak, you just everybody would just kind of stop and listen because he would drop these nuggets because he mm-hmm. spoke so much less. Somehow, he just hit he hit things. I don't know, straight on, don't you think? Like right bullseye into the target. Yep. Yeah, so, well, that's great. Obviously, you know a thing or two about relationships and marriages and families. So now what has your experience been working with marriages, especially outside of the country? Because you just told me before I pressed record that you'd been on the radio in Papua New Guinea. I didn't know that. So what other things have you done outside (laughs) of the country? Um. Well, basically, we went wherever God led us. So when we were in Papua New Guinea, uh, the exciting thing is when you go back that many times, you run into people that you have met before, and you get to see how God's worked in their lives. You get to see how marriages are being restored and uh, finding out how desperate they actually were when you were there the first time. But uh, we would be on the radio because uh, Pastor Bill Page, who was heading the large church in um Port Moresby, the capital city, he was on the radio once a week. So when we would be there, we would go on the radio. And, you know, when you're on the radio, you don't see people. So you kind of don't necessarily know if there's anybody listening. And we'd be somewhere on the total opposite end of the country. And somebody would come up and go, oh, I heard you on the radio. And you're like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's so cool. That is so cool. Okay, so... Now we're going to get into the meat of things here and just really try to understand how to be better at marriage. So the first question I have for you is, how does the fact that God is the originator of marriage impact how you deal with marriage problems? Since he began it, created it and began it, how does that impact problems and help you deal with it better? Well, I think for us, the thing that we saw was always key is you have to keep God at the center of your marriage. In Ecclesiastes, um, when it talks in um, chapter 4, verse 12, about the three-stranded cord, we would actually have cords that we would show people where if you have just two strands and you wind them together and you let go, it just totally unravels. But if you take the three strands like a braid and you let go of the end, it'll, the little bit will fray, but it'll stay together. Because when we put God at the center and we wrap ourselves as husband and wife around him, that's where we get strong because we grow closer to each other, but we also are growing closer to God at the same time. So I think that's probably the number one key. The other thing that um, we really found is, you know, we... We think of sex as being the most intimate thing we do in a relationship, but in reality, prayer is really more intimate. Women especially will often say, my husband doesn't talk. I don't know what he's thinking. If you pray together, you find out what's on your spouse's heart because they're going to pray about the things that are really concerning them. So when our son, um, our adopted son, Bob, was um, very special needs, he was the 
most abused child in the state of Oregon when we adopted him. And so we had a lot of struggles but and issues. But when we would get together to pray, I'm more emotional and Paul was more uh, logical. So sometimes I wasn't sure if it was affecting him like it was affecting me, but we would pray and he's praying his heart about the things that are in his heart for Bob. And they're the same things that were on my heart. So if we weren't praying, I could think, well, he doesn't even care. He's not showing it. But when we come together, we find out. And I know um, Pastor Craig Kessel from up here had shared at a retreat when we first moved up to Washington about the 10-minute miracle for prayer, where you was, would just start trying to spend 10 minutes together. And, and sometimes it's going to maybe only be two, but, but the 10-minute miracle was if you take five minutes reading Scripture, and it actually doesn't matter where you read in the Bible, you just start somewhere, and you read it for five minutes, and then for two minutes, the one person, you know, the, let's say the husband prays, and then for two minutes, the wife prays, and then the last minute is just waiting on the Lord. And, um, and that draws you so close together, the uh, way it works too, because there's seven days in the week. So the husband would lead Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The wife would lead Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Sunday's the Lord's day. So you allow him to lead your time together. And we would encourage, if you have only two minutes, then you just take two minutes. But it's just that coming together, sharing your hearts before the Lord that is really going to alleviate a lot of the struggles that we go through in our marriages, I believe. Uh, we need to learn to keep short accounts, not hold on to offenses. And we as women especially are really good at that because we mostly have thoughts all the time. So when some offense happens or a disagreement, we replay it over and over and over. And each time we play it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the studies show, um, at least maybe about five or six years ago, I, I didn't look up current statistics, but um, most marriages will wait seven years before they will let anyone know that they're having a problem in their marriage. Wow. And if you rewind back with them to find out where it began, it was usually over some kind of a disagreement or offense where they didn't feel loved and respected. And then it began to get bigger and bigger and bigger because it kept being replayed. Or every time there'd be another argument, that would be brought back up. So after seven years now, instead of having this little problem that you can pray together and it'll be gone, now you have a big problem. And society would say, well, just get out of it. You can do better. But the reality is you want to press in together and you want to work through it. And it, marriage is awesome, but it is hard work. We can't yeah. just sit back on cruise control and expect two different people to come together and everything's going to be perfect all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. One comforting thing that my son just told me a few days ago is that he and his girlfriend pray together. And I said, what a great idea. My son, good job, Ben. I was so proud of him. And he leads in that. And what a great way to set them up for success. That's right. If they end up getting married, that's a great mm -hmm. practice. So for those who are dating, I would say start that now. 
Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you think it's hard to sort of, okay, now we're married. We're going to do this totally different thing. It's kind of like you just go into marriage from whatever your dating life was. So, hey, start start now with prayer. When dating time, start with prayer. That will, I think, help in a lot of different ways. Oh, for sure. I also heard, I heard a um, statistic about, it's like over a thousand to one that people who pray together get divorced versus the like mm-hmm. two in one chance of getting divorced in marriage otherwise. So really good. It does make a difference because marriage isn't therapy. Paul always would say that in our seminars. He's like, marriage is not therapy. When you get married, it's like turning a magnifying glass onto yourself uh, because your spouse is going to see all of your flaws and they're going to be magnified. So you really want to go into it as healthy as you can. And, and obviously, um, if you start out praying together, it becomes a habit before you get married. And then when those little, even the little things like, you know, squeezing the toothpaste tube from the wrong end or you use my hairbrush or and just all those trivial little things that can cause um, arguments will just be dissipated because there's a uh, deeper relationship that you have as a result of it. Yes. That's good. Yeah. So then have you noticed common habits or problems? And you mentioned one about women not mentioning a little thing and then it builds and builds. Are there other common habits Mm -hmm. or problems that you've seen? Um, I think, you know, one of the things you see too, especially in uh, the fast pace and the instant gratification, all of the things in our society is uh, there's a lot more anger and frustration, a lot more wanting results like right now. And so uh, you'll see couples where they have explosive relationships and the anger is always at the center, which I think also becomes a red flag if you're dating someone and they have these explosive outbursts that could be, you know, that's a huge red flag that that's got to be dealt with because if you don't deal with your issues before you get married, they're going to be magnified when you get married. Um, I think some of the other things um, is people just not communicating. So you can talk, but if you're not listening to each other, you're not really communicating. And that, making sure you really hear the other person. And um, and that works with everybody. I mean, we had a, a strong-willed son that thinks totally different than I do, and the Lord had to teach me to not assume that what he was doing was rebellious or whatever, but to hear, to listen to him. And, and I, most of the time I'd find out that his thought process was so different that what he did was actually... In his mind, he was doing the right thing to make things better and not really rebelling, but it looked like rebellion because it wasn't the way I would do it. So, for example, there was a time where he he had a, a curfew. He was supposed to be home. And um, back then there weren't cell phones where you could just call. And he we lived right outside of town. We were on the southern Oregon coast. And he, um, so, of course, you know, you're sitting there and you're praying and you're, you're worried, but you're, you know, trying to trust God and you don't, you know, you don't know what's going on. And he came home, I was maybe 45 minutes. That's a long time to have to wait, not knowing what's going on. And in the old days, I probably would have like, where were you? You know, what, 
why, you know, didn't you let us know? But instead, um, I said, you know, just asked, you know, what happened? And he said, well, I was on my way home and I saw one of his friends, um, his was having car trouble and he was parked by the side of the road. And he said, so I thought, well, he said, I stopped to help him, of course, but and then I thought, well, okay, now I'm going to be late so I could drive back into town and call, but it'll actually be faster if I just drive home. So he doesn't see it from my perspective of, well, I'm worrying about you. <laughs> I'd rather know where you were. In his mind, it's this is the best choice. So that alleviates a lot. And in our marriages especially, things like that happen all the time where we just are misreading uh, each other or a situation or we're not taking time to hear our spouse's thoughts. And the way you just asked that question was very non-confrontational. What happened? It wasn't, where have you been? What have you been doing? Are you crazy? It wasn't that. It was, <laughs> right. what happened? <laughs> That's something that I have a hard time with is not putting my emotional frustration into my actual question. If I can just keep it out, mm. that really helps because I'm jumping to conclusions and you didn't do that by mm. asking that very kind question. What happened? That's, let's just remember that everybody write down what happened. That's a really great question <laughs> for a lot of situations. <laughs> well, and it's kind of like if somebody falls, um, I don't know, they fall and they break a glass as they fall and you go, Oh my gosh, you broke the glass. No, a better approach is to say, are you okay? Yeah. Because the person is more important than the glass. Yes. I mean, even if it's a treasured heirloom, it's Golly, not yes. going to go with you when you pass away. So yeah. Yeah. your spouse will be way more important. Listeners, we have to break here, but the conversation on marriage tips does go on. So join us next episode to continue the practical tips that we could soak in from Sherry Keefe. And thanks for listening.